glad to be in God's house. Why don't you smile at somebody and tell them, I'm glad to be with Mama today. You say, well, my mama's not here. Well, let me introduce you to the church. The Bible said is the Jerusalem from above, which is the mother of us all. Amen. Welcome to the family of God today. Praise God. And to all of our mothers, I join with Brother Long in giving you the highest praise today. Such a great uh, opportunity for the family to be here. A young police recruit was asked during his exam, if, uh, if you had to arrest your own mother, what would you do? He said, I would call for backups. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I love mom's recipe for iced coffee. That's a popular drink nowadays, but this is mom's recipe. Number one, have kids. Number two, make coffee. Number three, forget you made coffee. Number four, drink it cold. (laughs) Amen. If you were with your mother or you are with your wife and your children, you ought to give thanks to God that you have the opportunity to be together today and you value that. Amen. Amen. We live in a culture where it is becoming increasingly unpopular to talk about family and the values that family bring to our lives. I'm grateful today that you saw fit to honor those that you love by being here. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. What a great day. I'm on a time clock. I know that I have to end before your hunger clock goes off and your plans for afternoon family meals kick into gear. So I will try to do my best to be as quickly as I can in my remarks. But I want to say to all of our mothers and all of our ladies today, we celebrate you and we salute you. And I, I believe that if you come around Greater Life Church very often, you will find that we do that not only on Mother's Day, but we honor our ladies all the time. Amen. We believe they are a vital part of our lives and our church, and they count for the kingdom of God. And whether you're a mother by nature or by nurture, we applaud you today. There are many today that perhaps never had children or could not have children, but you have become mothers to other children. And that instinct, that maternal instinct that God put in you is such an invaluable possession. And whether you have natural-born children or adopted children or you have just become the mother of someone, uh, you have a very special place in all of our hearts. Someone once turned to a full-time mom and made the mistake of asking the question, what did she do? And she responded, I am socializing to homo sapiens into the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might be instruments for the transformation of social order into the kind of eschatological utopia that God willed for them from the beginning of creation. What do you do, sir? It's hard to beat that. 
a group of second graders were asked what they thought about their mother. And uh, these are the questions they were asked. How did God make mothers? One said magic plus superpowers and a whole lot of stirring. What ingredients are mothers made of? One said God makes mothers out of clouds and angel hair and everything nice in the world and a dab of mean. Why did God give you your mother and not some other mom? Because God knew she would like me a whole lot more than she would like the other kids. What kind of little girl was your mother? I don't really know because I wasn't there, but I guess she was pretty bossy. But they say at one time she used to be nice. Why did your mom marry your dad? She got old, she got too old to do anything else with him. Who is the boss of your home? Mom is. She doesn't want to be, but she has to because dad is such a goofball. What is the difference between a mom and dad? Moms work at work and work at home and dads just work at work. What does your mom do in her spare time? Mothers don't do spare time. What would it take to make your mother perfect? On the inside, I think she's already perfect. On the outside, maybe a little plastic surgery. (laughs) If you could change one thing about your mom, what would it be? I think we would all agree with this. I would like her to get rid of those invisible eyes in the back of her head. And everybody said amen. You know, kids sometimes do fail to recognize what they have in a mother. And husbands don't always appreciate what they do. And many times the society in which we live does not value their role. But today we do value that role. And we value the place that you hold and we say thank you so very much for being who you are. One day four ministers stood talking and as they often did in their conversation, they shared different drifts of uh, theological thought. One man said, I prefer the King James Version of Scripture because it is so eloquent with the English language. Another one said, well, I like the New American Standard Version because it is more faithful to the original Hebrew and Greek. The third one said, well, I like the New International Version because it is contemporary in language and it's easy to understand. There was a thoughtful period of silence when the fourth minister said, I think I like my mother's translation the best. And all three of his friends looked at him in surprise and they said, well, we didn't know that your mother wrote a translation of the Bible. And he said, oh, yes, she did. She translated it into daily life. Every day that I lived and every day that I lived, I saw real faith in action. And I believe that you and I would agree tonight that the best translation that can ever be found of Scripture is found 
in the heart of a mother. There may be those who are mighty in hand and men who govern land and sea and wield the mighty scepter over lower powers than he. But the mightier power and stronger man from his throne has hurled. For the hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. Today I do understand that as a man I I feel ill-equipped for the task before me, but I do hope that you will give me your indulgence for a few moments because at our best, we are all inadequate in expressing all that a mother means to not just you, but to our world in general. I am not here to make anyone feel uncomfortable or ill at ease, and I do know that... There are feelings that sometimes can be stirred in moments like this. But rather, I would hope that we could impress upon you how important you are and your role in this world and your contribution to our lives, how significant it is that you make the world and the life of everyone in it a better place because of who you are. We are not here to hammer you on unreal expectations, but to make you feel like that you matter no matter what others may say about you. Most mothers are too busy to worry about being perfect. That's not what we're talking about today. I'm talking about the influence and the impact that you as a mother or a woman has upon this world and our culture. And we do not add pressure to you because of these hopes. But I do believe that if you understood your role more completely, you would stand more boldly and you would be what God ordained you to be from the beginning. According to the Oxford Dictionary, a mother is a woman who has born a child. But you and I know today that a mother is more than being one who procreates. If that were so, then having a piano in my house makes me a musician. And you know that that is not so. Today, mother isn't simply a matter of having a child. It is the maternal instinct that is within you as a lady that God put there when he created you that is nowhere else in our culture or in our society. And I don't care what we do with gender identification in this hour, God still made them male and female, man and woman. And he designed that the world would operate under that order. Let's clap our hands to the Lord and give Him praise today. When you as a woman recognize the calling that is upon your life and how valuable you are and how important it is that you recognize you are significant to our world, especially in this hour. 
I would like to challenge all of our ladies today to realize the potential that is in you that could change the world. And that if you use that power to serve others, you will in fact make an impact upon the world like none other. To see what can happen when a lady, a woman, a a person created by God to fill that role stands up and lives the life that God created her to live then you take your place. It will touch the world in which we live. Whatever your situation may be today, when you leave here this morning, I want you to know without doubt that you matter, that your life matters, and that what you do to your children and other children is beyond any value that we could place on it this morning. Amen. To prove my point, one of the historians pointed out one day that of the 69 kings of France, only three were really loved by their subjects and that these were the only ones who were reared by their mother instead of a tutor or a guardian. Whatever ability most of us have to make others love us or love them is largely found in the love that we find in the embrace of a mother. And to be a mother today is one of the major influencers of the world. More important than Bezo or any of the other billionaires of the world, every woman that sits under the sound of my voice today carries a weight of influence that when it is exercised, it can shift things in the world and in society. And when women stand up and declare, I will be what God called me to be, you will see a difference not only in your family, but in the world around you, there will be a change. Praise God. We live in a world that has tried to dumb down motherhood and make it worn out and archaic and dated and unfashionable. But I am here to tell you that being a mother is the most important thing you can do in your life, whether biologically or by choice. Your ability to mother someone or influence someone is of such importance. And by the way, let me tell you that everything that you hear coming from the world right now are mostly lies. They are untruths and they are not accurate reports of who our women really are. Hollywood portrays motherhood in some light as being slavery or a form of bondage instituted by humankind. But I am here to tell you that motherhood is a badge of honor that you should wear proudly and you should understand that whether I have had biological children or I am only a mother by choice, I still have an influence in my life like no other influence in the world and I can make a difference if I will take my stand. Praise God. 
I want to take you to the book of Judges this morning for a few moments. And I want to give you the background story of where we're going to pick up. We're going to go to the fifth chapter, but before we read that, let me just paint a picture of what was going on in Israel. As you well know, they had come out of Egyptian bondage and they had moved into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua and they had conquered so much of the land. But in the process of time, Joshua died and the Bible said another leader rose that knew not God and didn't know Joseph and didn't know the history and all of a sudden the life of God's people go off the rails. They become idolaters. They turn themselves toward things that they should not have. And there was a deep degradation and the disgrace that had come upon the people of God as they sunk into the atrocious pit of their own sin. They had gone astray, far astray from the will and the purpose of God. And so God began to raise up judges that would help them right their course and turn them back toward God. And when these righteous judges would rise, they would give some light for a moment to their world. And it was a very dark and sordid place. It was an unhappy time. The inhabitants, according to Scripture, of the villages outside the walled cities, they ceased to exist. The inhabitants of the land were obligated to vacate their homes and their dwellings and to leave their jobs and go into the fortified cities because it had become unsafe. Robbers were everywhere. Pillagers were everywhere. And so the villages were left empty and in time they fell into ruin and they ceased to be. They made traveling difficult and a dangerous proposition because robbers sat along the highway waiting to take their spoil. People were afraid to get out of their houses or move. Robbers then moved into the vacated town and they pillaged the city and they plundered all that they could take away. And these were the unhappy times and the the circumstances in which Israel found itself. And so the question comes to mind, what kind of leader does God raise for a nation when the standard of righteousness has taken such a free fall? What kind of leader would best suit a people when the moral code of the people has been broken and they are a devastated people? What type of person could rise to set a standard for that nation and every man would do what was right in God's eye instead of doing what was right in their eye. What kind of person is best equipped to bring such people back to their God while stemming the free fall of their morality? And the Bible said this was the answer. Judges 5 and verse 6. And in the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were deserted and the travelers walked along the byways. Village life ceased. It ceased in Israel until, everybody say until, 
until I, Deborah, arose a mother in Israel. One translation said, I arose a motherly protector of Israel. Another said, I arose as a mother for Israel. Another said, I arose as a mother to Israel. However you translate it, it is understood that in that pivotal moment of time, what God looked for was not just a man with the sword, but a woman who could lift up holy hands, a woman who could give praise and could give encouragement and could find help in their time of trouble. And so God's divine answer to a seemingly intractable situation is also amazing. For He chose a mother, one who would have brought, been brought before the people under other circumstances would never have stood. But in this moment, they didn't need another judge. They didn't need another king. They didn't need another prophet. They didn't need another wife. They needed a mother that could stand up and let her instinct and let her influence help lead a people back to where they needed to be. I am here to tell some of you ladies today who would have thought that the divine response to such a nightmarish situation in a nation would be to raise up someone like you. But that is what God chose to do. He raised up a Deborah, a mother to Israel, a protector for Israel, a mother to Israel, for Israel, in Israel. It doesn't matter how you translate it. We need some mothers who are willing to stand up in this hour and say, you're not canceling me. I said, you're not canceling me. You're not canceling me. You're not canceling me. You're not canceling my voice. Praise God. There is no evidence that Deborah was a warrior. There is no evidence that Deborah ever took a real sword in her hand. But she wielded a sword more powerful than a literal sword. She yielded the shield, she used the shield and the weapon of worship. She lifted her voice and she sang those songs that would lift the heart. You say, that doesn't sound like much help to me. I want to tell you something today. The power of a mother's words can change the destiny of an individual. The power of a mother's voice can change the direction of a child. The the voice of a mother who stands up and speaks up can change the course of a city and a nation. A woman without credentials she was. She wasn't skilled by the sword. She wasn't gifted with warring like creativity. But she knew how to be a mother. And I would tell you a hundred times out of ten that I would rather have a mother fighting for me than anybody else that I know of. Amen. Some of you don't know if you would like to have your mother fighting for you or not, but I'd rather have my mother fighting for me than all the men in this building. 
You want to know how quickly you can get a woman riled up? You just reach out to the apple of her eye and see how righteous she can become. Amen. She rose in a challenging time. And I I don't have to be a scholar or a prophet to tell you that we are living in unprecedented times. When our educational system is being overrun by woke mentality and things are being forced down the throat of our children and against the wishes of parents and being told, don't tell your parents I read of an after-school art club that was meeting in Colorado. And when they got there, what it actually was was a gender re-identification class. And they said, don't go back and tell your parents. Don't go back and tell your mother because they won't understand how important this is to our society and our culture. I want to tell you something. Mothers are a lot smarter than you think they are and they understand the damage that that does to our culture. And whatever may be your thoughts on it today, I'm here to tell you, you better get back to the book and see what the book says and remember what the Word of the Lord declares and say that is what's going to be my compass and that is what is going to be my guide. When she answered the call, this is what's so amazing. God endowed her with every wonderful and extraordinary gift that she needed that would qualify her for the job that he had called her to fill. Some of you feel like you're unqualified. Well, I'm going to tell you how to get qualified. Just volunteer. Say, God, I will be that person. And when you make that choice... You're going to watch God endow you with wisdom and give you the strength and the courage to face down lions and bears. God's going to give you the ability to look the devil in the eye and say, you ain't coming in my house. You're not coming on my territory. That child is mine. I lay claim to that child at birth. I lay claim to that life when it came into this world and I will not yield that to anything or anyone else when she responded God authorized her to be a nursing mother to Israel to teach and instruct them in the mind and the will of God to administer justice and judgment and to protect and defend them to show a maternal affection that made them understand they were loved the duties that a mother owes her children and she said the place was in chaos until I arose there was no deliverance until she arose this is what I'm going to leave you with ladies number one don't be intimidated by the times in which we live don't let the times in which we live silence your voice Amen. Amen. 
Don't sit silently by while they spill that filth out around you. Stand up and say, you know what? That's not what God created me to be. I'm not confused about who I am. I know who I am. And I am proud to be what I am. And I will live in the honor of what God has called me to be. Number two, Deborah was not caught up in the fear of the day. The great fear of the day is that we're going to offend somebody. Well, listen to me. They're not worried about offending you. So why are you worried about offending them? They don't mind getting in your face. I'm not encouraging you to get into anybody's face, but you better show your face. You better let your face be seen. You better let your voice be heard. There better be somebody that knows, uh, hey, there's one mother in Israel right here, and she's not moving and she is not changing. Most important thing about Deborah was that she just made herself available. I think we overrate skills sometimes and we are intimidated, especially in the day in which we live. I get intimidated all the time. People say, what kind of, what, what theological seminary did you graduate from? Did you matriculate from? Well, I matriculated from the school of hard knocks. <laughs> yeah, you know what our class yell is? Ouch! I remember sitting at a table one time. I was called to, to pray over a very uh, highfalutin, that's the only word I can think of, uh, setting in downtown Houston. It was recognizing the who's who uh, in Houston. At that time, one of those recipients was, uh, was Governor Greg Abbott. I got to meet him way back before he was governor or anything else other than uh, a judge here in the Houston area. But I was called to pray, and I sat down, and on my right was um, a shah from somewhere over in the Middle East and across the table from me was Ray Childress. Remember the football player for the Houston Oilers? He was a great spokesman. And uh, and, and here was another official and they were talking and, and I, I became lost because, you know, it's like, I've got a GED. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, I did graduate. I'm not going to tell you where, but I did graduate. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm not letting any professor, I'm not letting any lawyer, I'm not letting any politician stand up and tell me what I can or cannot do when it violates the Word of God. I want my voice to be heard. And ladies, you better let your voice be heard. And more important, you better let your face be seen. Sometimes just showing up is really all that needs to happen. Because when mama's in the house... (laughs) Amen. Anybody know what it was like to have mama in the house? She made herself available. This is what I've learned about God. God isn't interested in your skills. He's interested in your wills. Because there's a lot of people that have all kinds of skills, but they're never willing to yield 
God said, I'll take somebody that will yield himself to me. And even without skills, I will gift them with what they need. I'm not negating the importance of skills. I'm just saying that you better not let the world make you feel like you don't matter and intimidate you to the place. Well, you know, I didn't go very far in school. You went far enough to know that, that God, well, I don't want to go back there, but you know what God created you to be. Amen. And I close with this. She was a woman of faith. And many people, many people fail to understand what can be shaken when you simply stand as a woman of faith. Walls can come down and wills can be broken because you stood holding on to your faith. I had a brother who was responsible for leading all my family to the Lord many, many years ago. He was a young talented, gifted musician and he had met some young girls at school and, and the process of uh, an uncle of mine looking and searching for truth. Uh, my brother introduced my uncle to the Pentecostal way and in the process of just a few months, you probably have heard my brother James mention there were 43 or 45 family members that came uh, into the church and were baptized and God gloriously filled them with the Holy Ghost. But my, my oldest brother, he, he was so gifted and talented and the world pulled so strong. He, he moved, he got away from God and drifted a long, long way. But one thing that I can remember without fail, hearing my mother pray, God, you know where Teddy is, and you know how to bring him home. God, you know where Teddy is, and you know how to bring him home. I heard that prayer and many others for my brother over the years. Life went on as it always does, and he got farther and farther away from God. I remember going down the road with him one day as an older a uh, young man, I, I may have been in my early 20s. I'd never talked to my older brother about God, never talked to him about church. And so I thought, you know what? I'm not letting this trip go by without talking about it. And so I, I, I broached the subject, and it was as dead as it is right here, right now. <laughs> I said, Teddy, do you ever think about coming back to church? And it was silence like this. And I'm sitting over there trembling on my side of the truck. I thought, oh God, I've, I've, I've blown this hunting trip. And out of the silence, I heard him. And when I turned to look, tear coming down the side of his face. And he said, every day, every day. Where did that come from? I believe it came from the prayers of a mother of faith who would not let go. Amen. And 40 years after walking away, when we were in the old building, the platform was about right here. I remember him coming on a Sunday morning and kneeling to my left. And by the time I got down to him to start praying with him, God had already begun to refill him and he was so blessed by God 40 
years, my mother prayed. And God was faithful to answer his prayer. I don't know who you are today, but mother, don't ever stop praying because your faith matters. And when you stand up and let your faith work for you, it can do what you cannot do. Let's stand together. Deborah teaches us very importantly that God doesn't use other people. He uses us. Amen. I call all of our ladies to be mothers in Israel. It's the greatest title in all of literature that could be given to a woman. It is the power to influence and change the world. There's nothing like a mother's eye and there's nothing like a mother's heart. David Lloyd George is remembered as one of the greatest prime ministers of Great Britain. He served from 1916 to 1922. Yet there is little that is known of his past. What is known is this. That when he was an infant in North England, his mother got caught in a blinding blizzard. Lost and freezing, she huddled beneath a tree for a modicum of shelter. Removing her coat, she wrapped it around young David. The next morning, they found her and the child. Mother was dead, but the child lived. That's the heart of a mother. That's what our world needs right now. For a mother in Israel for a mother to Israel, for a mother for Israel to stand up. Stand up and be counted and let your voice be heard because our time needs a Deborah. Our time needs a Deborah. We need your heart. We need your hands. We need your labors. We need your voice. We need your face to be seen. Because when you are seen, it changes everything. Father, I thank you today that we have had an opportunity to come together. How inadequate as a man I am to talk about a mother. Lord, I pray that somehow something that has been said has penetrated the hearts of somebody in this building and that they will understand the importance, if they are a woman, who they are and the influence and the potential that they hold in their hands. And that they would not be intimidated by the culture in which we live or by the ideologies of a world that's changing so quickly. But they will declare, here I am, Lord, use me. Here I am, Lord, I'm available. I'll be that mother. I'll be that influencer. I'll be that voice. I'll be that one to be seen. I will take my stand and I will be what you have called me to be. I will promise, Lord, 
that I will give unto you the best that I have that you might be glorified. And though my best may be inadequate, I know that you and your power will transform my gift, Lord, into an adequate portion for this hour. Lord, we need some mothers. We desperately need some mothers. We need some mothers to arise in this place. Arise in their community. Arise in their neighborhood. Arise in their school districts. Arise, Lord, on their jobs. Arise, Lord, in their homes. And declare, Lord, I will be your instrument to help shape this family and this opportunity that's given to me to your liking and to your will. We ask all of these things in the wonderful and blessed name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Love you today. Why don't you turn to three people around you and say thank you for being who you are. And if it's a woman or a mother, thank them especially for all that they do and all that they are for every one of us. And we say God bless you to all.